you fear most in football staring you right in the face. Mark Grody. I call him a maniac. Stone maniac. Covering the Bears for 670 the score. You had to overcome the mystique. It was almost like an odor. He exuded a kind of a presence. His whole damn life was football. Wasn't driving a pretty car. Wasn't going to the local bar and pounding your chest, I'm the greatest. It was the opposite. Mark Grody. He was Moby Dick in a goldfish bowl. Mark Grody with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Hell of a day at Hallis Hall. Luke Getze and the majority of the offensive coaching staff fired. Matt Eberflus retained. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Kevin Warren hold press conferences. Kevin Warren, of course, had to have his own separate press conference. Uh, Nick Saban fired. Pete Carroll, no longer the coach of the Seahawks. He's remaining with the organization. Uh, but the Bears keeping status quo with Matt Eberflus. How was it out there today, Grody? It's interesting, man. I mean, obviously a full house of media at Hallis Hall. The thing that was interesting and different about this this one was, and I, I think it makes sense because Kevin Warren was here, there were three McCaskies in the audience during the press conference, um, including, of course, George McCaskey, just watching and observing this. You had all the, the security staff was in here, the entire PR staff was was watching the the press conferences anybody all the townspeople from Hallis Hall were here to watch this it seemed like everybody was dressed up that you know that includes media and all the people that were you know officially with the the organization um you know one guy that was not here was that I did not see present was Ian Cunningham because you know it's it's they're being very transparent that Ian Cunningham the assistant GM is interviewing potentially for other jobs and they're all very happy for him but it was quite the 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 intense atmosphere out here and long very long which which is good I give them credit they were very thorough they allowed us to ask you know tons of questions um, you know, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus sat up there. The majority of the questions went to Ryan Poles. Matt Eberflus had questions as well. And then, as you said, Kevin Warren just spoke for 30 plus minutes, taking questions on the team, the coaches, uh, the stadium um, and all sorts of different things. So it was quite quite a wrap up uh, to a season one that I have not seen in my years covering the Bears this closely. And that's been since 2018. Good stuff, Mark Grody. Um, on the Justin Fields question, I'm wondering if you and your brethren in the media were left with any push in either direction. We've been fascinated that both Fields believers and Fields detractors are feeling emboldened after the news and the press conference. Interesting. Well, I think the I guess the emboldeners would probably be referencing or clinging on to the part where Ryan Poles did say that he thinks that that Justin Fields is capable of leading this team and quarterbacking this team and being the 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 quarterback going forward for this team. And and Ryan Poles talked about how important continuity is relative to, you know, he's more or less re referencing that when it comes to, you know, the Matt Eberflus being the head coach, but you have to count continuity in terms of Justin Fields. Another a check, I think, in the box 
of those who believe or think, or as you said, speaks emboldened to believe that Justin Fields is going to be here. And I did ask the question about the, the locker room and, you know, in terms of the support that Justin Fields has. And while Ryan Pohl said that that was important, um, he says that he's got to, you know, take away the emotion. So maybe a check in the box on both sides. To the other side, though, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan Poles was very sure to say that, Although he likes Justin Fields and thinks he can lead this team, that they are in a very unique situation and that that they will they will do their work and they will do their research on the quarterbacks that exist in this draft. Ryan Poles did not name check anybody, but we all know the names. Um, Ryan Poles, you know, was was pretty close to saying, and I believe he did say it just off the top of my head, that again, it's a scenario where he would have to be blown away by another quarterback in this draft if he was going to move on from Justin Fields. So I guess I can see why that there there are you know people applauding on both sides of this thing, but I think we have a long way to go in terms of of a decision on Justin Fields. And I should say another really big important thing too is is that is that ryan poles and this goes to the potentially not bringing justin fields back they have not made a decision or would not reveal or expand on anything regarding picking up the fifth year option and usually that's that's a no-brainer type of thing if you have full support in your quarterback and ryan poles would not go there today so as we're talking to Mark Grody, who's at Hallis Hall, and you can go to any audio as you want, but we're also just kind of talking through this with you. Uh, it feels like the easiest thing to not compute and to criticize is that they didn't even consider an upgrade from Matt Eberflus. Like it, what, what we heard, and we haven't heard every word of it yet, but you were there. No, I didn't call uh, Jim Harbaugh. He's the coach at Michigan. Matt's my guy. I believe in Matt Eberflus, all of that sort of thing. Like, are Bears fans to believe that they did not in these, you know, 72 hours since the season ended, they did not call anyone else and consider seriously firing Matt Eberflus and looking for an upgraded head coach? Sure sounds like that, Danny. I mean, that that's definitely what we heard from from Ryan Poles. And I do have some audio right here. Hopefully we've got it. I mean, everything's kind of happening here at the we last second. But okay, excellent. Um, from from Kevin Warren, who just got done speaking a short while ago. And yeah, that that came up. What, what I should point out about Kevin Warren is he pointed out how he is just the most impatient person in the world and he wants it now. That was all part of what he said before we got to ask any questions. And so the first question was to him, all right, you, you claim to be so impatient about what is going on in this organization. What about the, the changes that were made? Obviously, Luke Getzi is fired. Andrew Janoko is out. Tyke Tolbert is out. Four, the assistant tight ends coach is out. So those guys are out. But what about, to your point, Danny, the changes that were not made, Kevin Warren? Yeah, I think the way I wrap my brain around it is that, fortunately, uh, I've been here. And you go back to my first job in the NFL. I mean, my first year in the NFL, we were 5-11 and 11 at St. Louis Rams. Second year, we were 4-12. and 12. And then the third year, we ended up going 16-3 and three and winning the Super Bowl. And I remember many of those days having conversations with John Shaw, our president, Jay Zygmunt, our executive vice president, and Coach Vermeil, uh, is that the questions that I would ask them of making sure the worst thing you can do on an organization that is making progress is to turn around too quickly. 
and 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 you have to evaluate honestly. And so I just feel here with the people that we have in this building, the changes that we've started to make today, the people that we will hire, the core group of players that we have, the draft capital that we have, uh, the salary cap situation that we're in, the free agents. I mean, just look what is accomplished. I'm a, I all firmly believe go back 12 months ago and look at the progress that we've made. And so once you feel like, yes, you're not where you want to be, we're not where we're going to be, but we're pointed in the right direction. And the key is having the right places. I mean, the right people in the right places doing the right things at the right time for the right reasons. And that's what I'm focused on. So this is reminiscent of the process that we went through in St. Louis. It's reminiscent of the process we went through in Minnesota, you know, six and 10, eight and eight, 10 and six, 12 and four. And, 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 and there were many a times that we were in meetings and that we would say, we're not making enough progress too quickly. And we would have to take a step back and say, but are we on the right track? Do we have the right people? Um, and are we focused on the right things? And as I sit here today, unequivocally, I believe that we have the right set of individuals. And my expectations going into this season are extremely high. They're always the same, that we need to win the NFC North. That's where we should be. And, uh, and so we're going to do everything we possibly can to make sure that that's not a word of hope, but it also is reality. And, and, we, and it starts with making sure you have the right culture, but it also starts with making sure you get really good players in here. And I think everyone would attest to the fact that the, the acquisitions that we made last year in the draft and in free agency um, is really positive. And, and I'll tell you this, having rookies play, that's one of the things that impressed me about Matt. Many coaches will not play rookies or they're shy away from it. But having those rookie, rookies play, you saw it toward the end of the year, that is going to play major dividends not only next year but also into the future. Oh, God. <laughs> That is so stupid. Um, <laughs> the, 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 there, 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 there's a lot of football content there, from a guy I don't want making any football decisions. They they had the most dead cap space of any team in the NFL last year. They have to play. They rookies. have to play rookies. They have to. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, is, that, that is that is that is just Matt Eberflus is just like someone like uniquely like I just love rookies. Like he, the the best guys on the team were rookies because the team last year was uniquely terrible. Um, that is, that is not Matt. That is no, 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 no. Oh that is, that is dumb. Oh that, that is dumb. That's just not, that's not true. Right. Like, I mean, the, the year after the Super Bowl in Kansas city, uh, when they got their heads kicked in by San Francisco, they had, they had a third round pick and a fifth round pick at rook, uh, rookies. One was a center yeah. starting for Patrick Mahomes for Andy, Andy Reed the year after the year after a Super Bowl in the midst of protecting Pat Mahomes. You, you play the best players on your team. Sometimes they happen to be rookies. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not interested in myself in dissecting the football thoughts of the man, but he's sharing them. Yes, he is. All right, go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, I, I, you're right. He's sharing them. <laughs> Sharing them. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and like I mean, like you're not going to start darn all right at right. the right tackle spot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. So I th- I think that I think that Warren just felt he had to come up with something. I will right. I will say yes. that I I did ask Ryan Pohl straight up. Did, did you have autonomy? You know, in supporting your coach, or was this you know did this come from everybody? He said that that Pohl has autonomy, but conveniently enough everybody else was in agreement on keeping Matt Eberflus. So it sounds like there was, at least from what Ryan Pohl said, there was no dissension in terms of keeping Matt Eberflus and ridding the organization of the guys that they did fire today. Okay. Was there any 
uh, talk of contract extension or we're we're so positive Matt Eberflus is the guy. There's no way that uh, you know on January sixth, twenty twenty five, the day after next year's NFL regular season, Matt Eberflus is being fired. Right, right. You know, and, and I think it's important. This did come up, but let me let me set it up like this. It's important, obviously, that prospective candidates for the new offensive coordinator job and the quarterbacks coach and wide receivers coach, if you want to go there as well, it's important that they believe that there is stability and that there is lasting power for the head coach, Matt Eberflus, because they don't want to get fired after that as well. So Kevin Warren was straight up asked, are, are there extensions forthcoming for people like Matt Eberflus in this organization? Uh, we haven't. I mean, as of right now, we're, what, three days removed from the uh, season. Uh, I haven't had any discussions uh, with ownership or anyone about that. But again, I can just attest to uh, what's happened with a number of calls and, and outreach that I've had to me, the people that I know in the league, uh, people are excited about the Chicago Bears. You know, they love the talent that we have. Uh, they love the draft capital that we have. I mean, that we have uh, to be able to use. They love our salary cap situation. They appreciate the stability of the ownership of over 100 years. And um, and so the perception uh, of, of what people think about the Chicago Bears, this is a very, very unique opportunity. Even the stadium development project plays into that. So I don't think we'll have a problem at all getting uh, world-class candidates, not only from an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach standpoint and the defensive coordinator standpoint. This is a job that people are excited about uh, to come here. And we have a lot of talent. And, and the, it, it's, it's always exciting to join an organization when you're on the upswing to be able to help take it to the top. I think that's mostly true. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is it is a team and an organization on the upswing in a great town. So, and, and I mean, he references the draft capital and coaching the number one pick yep. is something that was attractive historically uh, in the NFL. Was Kevin Warren asked about Jim Harbaugh? He was, you know, he he said he was asked about it, but he said that nothing specific in terms of did, what's your relationship. Do you like him? I mean, he just sort of referenced the fact that they did not talk to Jim Harbaugh or other potential candidates. Oh, okay. So he, he did. Yeah, because we were wondering, because Ryan Poles was asked straight up, as you know, Groats, whether he talked to Harbaugh and said no. But it could be, of course, that Kevin Warren talked to Don Yee, Harbaugh's agent, or that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the way they made, the way they framed it, that there was no contact with Jim Harbaugh. But you're right. They might have gotten us on a technicality in terms of talking to Harbaugh through their agencies, but but they they said nothing to that end. Okay. okay. Um, the, I know whenever Kevin Warren speaks, the location of where the Bears are going to play uh, comes up. How how how? What was the headline, if anything, from the stadium stuff? Well, a couple things. I mean, the he basically the the headline there is that he's everything is still on the table. The the Arlington Heights, you know, property is still owned by them and that's still a real consideration. But one of the things, too, that sort of piqued my interest, he was asked what intrigues him about the the South Lot. Intrigues me about the I mean, it's not necessarily the South Lot. What intrigues me uh, about downtown is I, I strongly believe Chicago is the finest city in all of the world. 
I mean, very rarely do you get an opportunity to have such a beautiful downtown with a vibrant business community, with an absolutely beautiful lake and the energy that, that goes along. And so I, I always focus on, you know, what's a way that we could, you know, bring together the beauty of the lake, the beauty of downtown, the business community, all the art exhibits uh, to bring that together for an environment. Because it's always about the fans. How, how can we create an environment that they really enjoy? And not only on our game days, but also from art, from food, um, um, just from music. And, uh, I, I, you know, I live downtown. I love the city. And I just think we're, we're blessed to be able to live in a city like Chicago. And so it has many pluses. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm just a big proponent of the Chicagoland area. I'm a big proponent of Arlington Heights. But there's something that's really special about uh, downtown Chicago. Oh, yes, there is. Go ahead. Argue with him on that. Go ahead. Kevin Warren detractors. No, I don't want to argue with it, him It reminds that. me of like some, one of my favorite things to do on stage. He is Pander Man. Yeah, on stage <laughs> with the band is like, hey, how about Chicago? Huh? Give it up. You guys, what a great crowd you are. Give it up for the Western Hemisphere, the best <laughs> hemisphere. So, yeah, yeah can't, can't pander dis- to where you are. Can't disagree on that. No, that's it. Listen, that's a vote, that's a vote of confidence uh, for the city, and maybe it is the Chicago leverage being at play. Did anyone ask? Because I feel like the obvious question then is like, well, if you guys do decide to do something downtown, what are you going to do with the 320 acres of land you bought for nine figures out in Arlington Heights? I suppose you could just sell it, but they're not exactly. I was just going to say, I mean, that that didn't come up specifically, Danny, but that's what they would do. I mean, I, I so, think so they, they would just be- buy it and then say, oops, and then sell it. Yeah, I mean, look, Danny, he's been, you know, we've made fun of the fact that every single town is making their pitch, you know, that if if they didn't think that they could sell that property, that whole thing would have been debunked a long time ago, and they would not have that leverage to be sort of holding it over Arlington Heights's head, even at this point, in terms of the taxes that they're being threatened with. So the answer is yes, they could turn around and sell that property if they had to. Okay. All right, no, I, I, I guess that I guess that is the answer. It's it's yeah. such, it's such a fasc- fascinating thing, Groats. When you when you've when you've been around for a while and you think about the history of the organization, the dysfunctional family business that was, or perhaps of course still is, and all the different hiring cycles that have been bungled in different ways, and people are freaking out about whether this is just another hiring cycle being bungled. Was that touched on uh, with Kevin Warren at all? Well, what it wasn't so much that and you know kevin warren takes this in an interesting direction but it was more of the the organizational dysfunction that was going on at the beginning of this year with the running backs coach with the defensive coordinator alan williams who you will hear asked about that specifically so kevin warren here was asked about those specific things and how he thought those were handled this is a pretty long answer but i think it's worth it to listen to how kevin warren the head of this chicago bears organization is handling these types of questions kevin, kevin there's been a lot of talk about the uh dysfunction and the adversity that matt was able to steer the team through this season as president how did you digest the adversity that was going on in your building and why do you why are you confident that 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 those are missteps that will be learned from I mean, you know, you can approach life as, you know, this is a problem or I look at it as an opportunity and I watch everything. I mean, I had one-on-one meetings with over 211 of our employees and, um, over I, 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 you know, from practice to walkthroughs to games, um, this is my life. And, and so, you know, you can fill it in an environment that, that, uh, is this environment cohesive? Are people together? 
Are they focused on the right things for the right reasons at the right time? And you just feel that it is. And, and again, I mean, you think about it, he's, he's, he's been here for 24 months. I mean, it's difficult. Uh, um, this job is difficult enough. And, but, but if studying businesses, studying professional sports teams, studying especially even NFL teams, it just seems like that third year is a, is a, is a critical year to have its, things to start meld. Um, and especially, I commend, I wasn't here uh, then, but I commend Ryan and Matt and, and, and Matt Feinstein and other people uh, here to be able to clean up the salary cap situation. So to have a clean salary cap and to not be uh, heavy uh, burdened with, with dead money and to you know make trades for I me. Mean, you think about two veterans. When in one year have you seen a team get someone of the caliber of the player of DJ Moore and Montez Sweat? Think about the last time. You might get one. But to get two of them and on both sides of the ball, that's very unique. And then to have the first and the ninth pick and other draft choices to have our rookies play, to go into the offseason, not with surgeries. I mean, those are all the things that give you momentum. It doesn't guarantee success, but it puts us in the right position that if we stay together, that we keep challenging each other, that we remain impatient, that we remain focused, that we keep our egos out of the door. And that we keep in mind that every time we walk in and out of the, the, this building, that we look at George Hallis and the way he built the National Football League and this, and this team, it's really important. So I'm extremely confident and maybe so confident is because I've lived this before. And so maybe if this was my first time, uh, it may be different, but I lived this before. And I understand how it galvanizes an organization, a football team, a city, a fan base, when you're able to go through very difficult times and be deliberate, be fair, make good decisions, always be forward thinking, have innovation, and, uh, and bring in the right people who can help you be a champion, not only in the community, on the field, uh, but also in this business. And to, to, that, to that end, when, when Alan Williams resigned, the, the response from the organization was very strange relative to departures. I mean, not even if we wish him well or we hope he gets the help he needs, it was very cold. And frankly, it was not a good look for the organization. I'm curious what you th how you felt that whole situation was managed yep. by the Bears. And I'll put my lawyer hat on now for a minute. You know, sometimes when things happen out of respect for an individual, you have to make sure that um, less is more. And, and, and I can say that um, is that it was very important during that period to be respectful of Allen and his family. We do wish him well. And uh, he's a good man, and we, do, we, we wish him well, but we just needed to make sure that, uh, that we handled that in a manner that not only was respectful, but that also, you know, we followed uh, legal, you know, issues and, 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 and a course of action. So I feel very comfortable of how we handle that. Those things are, there's no uh, playbook that you go into office and say, turn the tab 10 and on page 225 and go to that. I mean, th those things are very complex, so you do the best you can. There's some things we learned. Uh, from it, but I do feel, and I think if you talk to Alan, he will tell you that we handled that situation the best that we could with style, grace, and class. Interesting. I think he, him saying we wish him well, he they could have said we wish him well then, yeah. and they said nothing of the sort, but he does admit, you know, you learn some things and not everything has precedent. Um, th that was interesting, because legally, I think they were in a tricky spot, but they could have said we wish him well, and they did not. Yeah, they were afraid. Yeah, they were afraid to wish him well before, and so I and I don't. I still don't know why. Uh, right, exactly. That that, that, that isn't that okay. So why did you fire him? What did right. he do? 
Right. And then to have them wish well, then you just wonder what exactly happened. So, yeah, it, it, there's so many things we, we'd love to expand on with Kevin Warren, but there were a million questions from a million people. Yeah, of course. I mean, the nod to legality and saying, I'll put my yeah. lawyer hat on. Yeah. Yeah. Know. I mean, at least he admitted that part of yes. I guess, you know, to yes. be like, yeah, hey, we're lawyering up here. And that's, yep. so that's why I'm talking like I'm talking. How did you feel, you know, uh, grading the press conference which i think is like a silly thing you know overall but these are people that don't speak all the time you know like week to week i can judge a coach by his actions on sunday and the team's preparation but polls doesn't speak that often warren doesn't speak that often these these are people whose words uh matter a lot more uh, at least to me you've seen some dysfunctional stuff you've seen some ted phillips stuff like how how, how do you think they did with their messaging today yeah, I think I think they did a pretty good job. I think Ryan Poles is always as honest as he possibly can be with with the media in terms of answering the questions and answering all of them and the frequency with which he speaks. So I think he did he did a pretty good job out here. I think that, you know, the the one big thing that remains is and there was obviously full support from Kevin Warren and uh, and Ryan Poles on hey you're talking about big swings and you know making changes to make we're going to get this thing right and yet they really did not make big changes within this organization so I think it was some of the content not necessarily the way they delivered the message that you can still you know take exception to out here but for the most part you know look I I knew Kevin Warren would handle himself well in in this press conference, and I thought he did. Um, it seemed like he was ready to answer a lot of these questions, and you know, so many of us were just waiting to ask him about so many different things. But for the most part, I thought that they handled themselves pretty well, and it didn't seem like you know the clown shows of the past. I didn't really feel that in this one. Yeah, it, it, the, your point about the content is valid, and this is why. I understand when Bernsey gets apoplectic because you can think about so many. I remember being a young producer. I think it was the 1999 off season when the entire press conference was about how our standards are high and we must make massive changes. And they fired one coordinator. <laughs> you know? Right. And it was like, right. what, what are we doing here? Exactly. Yeah. Like, and, and it's, it's, it's just like the, the that's happened a lot. That's happened a lot. The mixed message from Kevin Warren, I thought was interesting because in, in his intro, he was all about like, I haven't slept in two days since the green Bay loss. And I am the most impatient person in the world. <laughs> this guy never and, sleeps. Well, we right, know he, right, he, right. he wakes up at four 30 without an alarm and lays horizontally to steal right, his thoughts. Right. Right. So, so like this sort of angry impatience and then he's got to explain why he's being patient and how, you know, in businesses you want to keep continuity and keep things together. So I thought that that was a little bit of a, of a mixed message and hard to square that up between the two. And you just wonder, like one of the things that I would have liked to have asked that I didn't get to ask was, all right, you know, I understand what you're doing this year, but is it like, 
if, if you don't win this year, if you're not in the playoffs this year, this immense impatience that you're showing, does the whole thing get blown up next year? I think that's the fear. Exactly. That's the fear. Exactly. And he said, he said the third year is key. Yeah. And I thought that that's interesting. The third year is really when things start to meld. And I was impressed by how they're set up with the salary cap and DJ Moore and Montez sweat thought all that stuff was sensible. But I think the fear is exactly that uh, Groats. that if the third year, if things don't meld here in the third year, then all of a sudden you're blowing things out and you might have a young quarterback who gets lost in, uh, in in the process. Yeah, I mean, and that, like, like I said, that's where the message was a little bit conflicting for me in terms of uh, how he will proceed going forward. It sounds like Kevin Warren is happy to allow Ryan Poles to make decisions in that word autonomy that I keep using, but based on the, 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 the sort of ferocious impatience that he was discussing, uh, I got to believe that if the bears do what they did this year again, then, then, then the wholesale changes will be made again. Anything we oh, missed, Gr- anything we missed Grody. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think like just a few things that, that interested me throughout the day was, um, personnel wise, Ryan Pohl said that they're happy with Braxton Jones did not rule out competition at left tackle. Um, the green Bay loss showed Ryan Poles that they're not there yet, which I thought was great that he admitted to that. Um, Ryan Poles made it sound like, yeah, Hey, the number one pick is for sale. I said, if somebody wants to call me, then I would certainly answer that question. And I also thought a key thing too, is that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus will work closely together on hiring coordinators. So it doesn't sound like Matt Eberflus will have final and complete say on who they put around him in terms of supporting the staff. And I, I, that's one of the things that I anticipated because I thought, all right, Matt, we're going to keep you here as head coach, even though it hasn't been great the first two years, but we are going to help you put people in place. It's still not clear whether or not there will be a defensive coordinator this side of Matt Eberflew. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Chris, Mad Dog, Russo. You guys are the best. The both of you. Afternoons on the score. Yeah, you know, I, I sat up here and I talked about, I don't know if it was up here with Jeff, but I talked about being a multiplier. Like, you want to talk about a multiplier, like a multiplier on the field. But, you know, again, we were doing exit interviews and talked to our guys throughout the year. Like, he helped that entire defense. I think it, it when you add players like that, all of a sudden, I think you could kind of see everyone had a little bit more swagger to them, and I think it affected the back end. You saw the interceptions go up. Um, you saw us win more games, so um, really good of uh, the Tez, the Tez effect there. Um, so really proud of that one, and a great human being too. So that's uh, that's Montez. Oh yeah, bonus episode for the postseason. <laughs> it had to be. Come had on, to be. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Oh, the Tez It's so dumb that it makes it brilliant. Shane, what's Granny doing on this episode? <laughs> this week on That's Montez. Montez leaves school for the first time, ready to enjoy his winter break with his family and friends. Oh. <laughs> Listen to the man laugh. But what about Granny? Granny was left behind. Another one of her hijinks. <laughs> uh, and then in a sad twist, Granny passed away. So Aww. sad. Sorry. Yikes, dude. <laughs> they should have we checked. We weren't going there. She was at the diner. They should have checked on Granny. Aww. Someone get that air tag back on Granny. <laughs> <laughs> Granny's medication has oh, to no. be refilled. Has Granny got a movie coming out? Or is she doing a spinoff series on another network? <laughs> this What's is going terrible. On? I don't know, man. This is it's terrible. only a matter of time. Now, you know, next week is a very special That's Montez. <laughs> Hope the Maytag man isn't there. <laughs>
The Sweat family comes together to honor Granny. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No big laughs in that one. No, that was a real downer. <laughs> but we all learned a little something. Yeah, of course. That's Montez. Watch oh. out for those track marks on Granny. You never oh, know. No. Okay. No, now it's time. It's an, to a, talk. It's an A&E series. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, it's a little dark. All right. All right. So now, Ryan Poles. Yeah, I snorted. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. Uh, control that one. Ryan Poles. Messaging. We, we, well, we trust him for the most part. I think most. I think he's. He's got the highest approval rating of ever anyone who spoke, right? I think absolutely. And when he's right there in that opening segment, he's talking about how he's proud of the Montez sweat trade. He should be, and the effect that it had on the whole defense and DJ Moore as well. And when he speaks, even when things are going poorly, he generally does a very good job. Like he did a good job after Roquan Smith. He did a good job after Allen Williams. Like he does a good job when people are skeptical. He knows how to convey a message. So there is a good part in here I want you guys to hear in relation to the Montez trade about how there was another trade that he made that didn't work out so well and why that informed him to still go ahead and make this trade for Montez. Okay, excellent. So he references the Claypool trade, even if he doesn't name it directly. So this is before any cross-examination. This is, I know everyone's watching. This is what I'm going to try to get across to the fans through the media. We've worked with PR on this. We've worked with Kevin Warren. We've worked with Matt Eberflus. We fired Luke Getze. We've retained Matt Eberflus. I know it's not popular on the internet. Let's see how I can sell you on it. Here is your head salesman for football, Ryan Poles. All right, I'll kick it off with, you know, a little gratitude here. I want to start by thanking our fans. Uh, their support, their energy uh, that they gave this year was incredible. You know, I take my little walk before each game and the amount of advice uh, that I get is, is incredible. Uh, you know, the big part of that, too, is to win five of the seven games at home so our fan base sees the progress that we're making. Uh, they can feel that energy. They can see these these new players here make an impact um, on our game. It is a, a really special thing. I want to thank our players. The time, the energy that they put into it uh, was outstanding this year. There's a lot of change to start the season. Uh, they really poured into each other and, and invested in each other. I can't tell you how many times I got stories of, you know, the D-line was eating dinner over here. The O-line uh, was over here eating dinner and spending time with each other. You could feel that. Um, and the guys made plays. I, I was really excited for, you know, Montez and, and the uh, impact that he had. Um, DJ, Jalen, guys are stepping up and making plays that are going to help us take the next step. We're really, really grateful for them. Uh, I do want to single out Mercedes Lewis. That's a special human being. Um, and I know he's played a, a lot in this league, but was a really key addition to our staff, I'm, our, our um our team in our locker room, the leadership through some of the hard times, the things that he said to pull guys together um, was outstanding. And I'm really, really thankful for him. Um, Coach Flus, his leadership through hard times. Um, we had some adversity early in the season, in the middle of the season. Uh, his ability to stand strong and, and keep the team together was incredible. Um, he, his ability to adapt and adjust as we went along. You know, he had sudden change in terms of his role. And I thought we benefited from that. I thought we got better from that point. And I'm really happy for him. Um, our staff, we take surveys um, from our players just to see you know, how each department does. And the feedback that we got on our strength conditioning staff, our player performance, our trainers, our clinicians was incredible. We have an elite, a really a rare group there. Um, and those players feel that. And, and they feel like they're being put in the best position to be successful. 
um, on and off the field. And then want to take some time, you know, George and Kevin, their leadership through the year was incredible. Um, they support our vision. One of the things that I'll never forget is reflecting in the middle of the year on a trade that didn't go well for me. I was bummed about it, um, took ownership of it. I always have a decision log that I go through and talk about, you know, what I can do better. And we met on that and they both supported me in terms of saying, keep shooting your shot, man. If you, if you put your, um, your log together, you're hitting those boxes that it feels right and it's going to help our team keep shooting your shot. And for a decision maker to have that type of support is incredible. The last two to three days we spent really reflecting, gathering information on the year. Uh, really Monday from, I think it was 7 in the morning to about 4, 4.30 in the evening. We did exit meetings with every single player on our, our team. Uh, we want to know what we're doing well. Uh, what we're struggling, what can be corrected, anything from team travel to coaching to all of those uh, parts. And we spent time together on Tuesday to go over the year, again, what went well, what didn't go well, and, and gather that information. I came away with really two feelings. Uh, one was there was a little disappointment. I wish there were some games that we finished. We were ahead of which we finished those games and really took this thing to a higher level than where we are now. Um, because at the end of the day, our goal is to win championships and to win the division, and we came up short of that. However, I also was really proud of the steps that we did take. Um, if you really look back and, and really look at the starting point and then look at where we are today, you can't tell me you don't see the difference. Um, we're making strong progress. We're doing it the right way. It's built on a solid foundation. It's not a house of cards. It's going to continue to go up um, as we continue to uh, have um, – continuity with our with our roster and that makes the future really bright for us um, we have flexibility with our cap space we have a really unique draft situation that's going to allow us to continue to get better uh, and like i said most importantly the continuity part is going to be critical because when you bring all those things together we're just going to keep climbing i have uh i have no issue with the stuff there at the end about how we felt about the year and what they got from the exit interviews. Yes, they needed to finish. And that can be quarterback, and I hope they change quarterbacks and address that, and it obviously can be head coach. But the progress is undeniable. As you watch it and have seen the thing, they were the games that they were in, what, 13 out of the last 14, and built on the foundation of the roster and the things they built. I think, I think that is clear. So... I, I understand the frustration, and I would have been fine if they moved on from Flus, but especially as it relates to the conversation we had with Pat Manley earlier in terms of like seeing the team come together, the team pro, you know make progress, the team play better. I think that part is undeniably true, and I think Ryan Poles saw it, and it matters to him. Yeah, I uh, listen. I think that he's good at this I, overall. You know, they had adversity this year that they created by guys that they hired, you know? So I, he, I think in some ways he is painting this as positively as possible. And that's what PR is that, that, you know, I joke about how I would hate to work in PR because you work for a college football team or something in, in public relations and your team loses 40 to six and your lead story has to be, you know, sophomore kicker makes two field goals in 40 to six loss. Like sometimes you got to put lipstick on a pig and this season wasn't a total failure. 
if it is pass fail, they got to fail. They they won seven games. They didn't weren't competitive against the Packers uh, to bookend their season, and they missed the playoffs. So I don't think it was a successful season by any means. And I think they're probably going to change quarterbacks in the offseason. So Fields didn't establish himself as the answer to the Bears long term. But there were really nice things that happened. They have a really good young core that's under contract. And Ryan Poles gets a ton of credit for it. And if they pass on Caleb Williams, I'll be floored. But I will have to get to, I trust Ryan Poles. He will then be seeing something in him to not draft him and he's better at this than I am and he's proven that and it's his job to do it and I do think that from the again the pure football standpoint uh-huh. both options should be pretty good pretty good they, they both they both should be next year's Bears team they're going to go into it with the, either way with expectations of ma- making the playoffs at least from this radio host I will they, they will need to make the playoffs next year whether it's with Justin Fields or with a rookie quarterback that's interesting yeah because I think the rookie will reset some of the expectations in some sections of the fan base and in the media I yeah but we've seen it you know what I mean if you do if you do a good job and you had the opportunity to draft anyone you want or take continuity and hire anyone you want what you want but you chose continuity at head coach like you made those decisions, and you're in Montez Sweat's prime and Jalen Johnson's prime and DJ Moore's prime and mm-hmm. Cole Komet's prime and all of those guys. Like, you won seven games. The goal isn't going to be to go backwards. You know, and if you win, if you won, what, one more game, you would have been playing for your own playoff spot mm-hmm. in week 18? Yeah, now so, with, with seven playoff teams in each conference. You, that's what I'm saying. You ought to be. Yeah, I'm not saying that they need to be a Super Bowl contender sure. next year, especially with a rookie quarterback. But, no, I – Justin Fields or rookie quarterback, there will be expectations that they go to the playoffs, even if there will be some bumps with a learning curve for any rookie quarterback which exists. So it's instructive to listen to a four-and-a-half-minute clip of the opening statement and the choices that are made for messaging, praising the training staff and the physical performance staff and stuff like that. And to Tani's point that he brought up before we played it, the Chase Claypool trade being a bad decision on his own decision log and then talking to Kevin Warren and to George McCaskey, who said, hey, man, keep shooting your shot. And he's proud of the shot that he then shot or shooted with um, with Montez Sweat. He's awfully proud of that. And that's that's good leadership from those guys to say to him, yeah, all right, you got that one wrong. Don't Don't let that stop you. Keep going. What I haven't heard, and maybe it's just because this is a question that has to be asked after they actually do draft the quarterback and they aren't committing to drafting the quarterback yet, but my biggest issue with retaining Eberflus is that I just can't possibly believe you could make the argument rationally that he's the best guy to be the head coach of the number one pick in the draft at quarterback. Like, you, you know, I just, I can't, I don't think you can make the argument. Well, how, how, how would, how would they do it? They would say, he's a great leader of men. He's building the team around him. He's setting it's up not just the quarterback the, it's for not, the nest. It's not just the quarterback. Uh-huh. It's about a team and the team game and culture. And team and, culture and team philosophy will support the young quarterback as, yeah. as, as they learn and grow. And oh, by the way, he hired a great offensive coordinator to work with him. Is but, what they'll say. But yeah, but. The last offensive coordinator that he hired, you just, you just fired. Correct. And Ryan Poles is saying that he's going to have a big input on who the offensive coordinator is going to be. So you're not even fully trusting him to hire 
the next OC. So like, I just, I personally think that's a really tough sell that they're trying to do here. But they would say it's not just the quarterback, and they're not even committing to doing it yet. And to what we played earlier, you know, maybe the quarterback's so good that he is coach and system proof, and hopefully they hire an offensive coordinator who's empowered who can maximize them. Thank you, That's Dad. what you got to hope for. Thank you to the mob for hanging with us on an, an interesting day. Yeah, weird day for us, obviously, you know, with uh, the, the press conference and broadcast rights for it. But uh, great job by our production staff, Tanny and Shane, did an incredible job behind the scenes turning that around and giving you all of the hits from it. Uh, not the hits principle, but the actual hits themselves. Thank you to Pat Manley and Mark Grody for doing a great job and setting the scene out there. Tomorrow's show's a monster. Uh, Olin Krutz. His first reaction to keeping Eberflus firing Getze and what everybody had to say is tomorrow at 2.40. Boomer Esiason wasn't with us this year, but has agreed to come on to weigh in on what he would do with Fields v. Caleb. His best friend is Frank Reich. They were college roommates. He's going to be considered a top guy for the offensive coordinator. What Boomer thinks of the Bears' future at quarterback and offensive coordinator in the offseason, he's at three. And Dave Wanstead, he knows all those guys that just got fired. He's worked with Getsy and Janoko. He's in studio at 4 o'clock tomorrow. So tomorrow's show's a monster. Plus, oh, yeah, by the way, the Cubs added a pitcher. Yeah. And we'll be at Cubs convention on Friday. Craig Council going to join the show at 3.40. Yeah. Nico the, Horner at 5 the, on Friday. Which is huge. And and that Cubs signing could open the floodgates to some other stuff, which could happen even before Friday. So lots to catch up on there. Yeah, we got a ton to do, as always. Uh, it's never a slow time around here. So, again, thanks to Shane and Tanny. Fantastic work, as always. Kevin Lapka, Connor O'Donnell, Twitch chat video stream. Thank you, sirs. For Matt Spiegel, I'm Danny Parkins. We are Parkins and Spiegel. This is The Score. Pull it down! Pull it down! We did that! We did that! I love this song. Really? Yes. Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Stevie. Yes. Sing the song, song, drop, sing it.